0: This is the Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14, published on December 6th, 2021. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our topic today is Improving Beginner Shooters. Our podcast is part of ConcealedCarry.com Network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites in any light. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association, Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by N8 Tactical. As instructors, our students are always asking us what gear we use. I always tell them I use N8 Tactical. Do you know that N8 Tactical offers several designs, each with extreme comfort for all-day carry? The Revenant and professional holsters have a patented tuckable design, adjustable cant, and secure twist release. My personal favorite is the K01. It is an all codex appendix holster that I can carry all day in comfort. All of N8's holsters come with a two-week try guarantee and a lifetime warranty even on the clip. Remember to check out their Flex Mag carrier also. It has a three-layer comfort backer and will accommodate several sizes of the magazines. Shop at tactical.com to find your next holster. That's the letter N. The number eight, Tactical.com. We bring this podcast supporting support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearms instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Now on to the show. Today, we're joined by Jeff Gonzalez from Trident Concepts. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge with our audience. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Well, you're one of our returning guests from uh, Season 1, Episode 4, so one of the original guests, and we're happy to have you Mm -hmm. back on again. But in case somebody missed Season 1, can you give us a little bit of your background?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, So my background comes from Naval Special Warfare. spent the better half of my life there on the East Coast, the West Coast, as an operator and then an instructor. I left the Navy and pretty much did the same work for just another agency. I did that for a while, and in the process, I stood up Trident Concepts. And as of this March, we've been in business now for 20 years, so a little bit over 20 years. You know, we provide, um, you know, nationally recognized training to, you know, just about all walks of life, all different types of people that are interested in firearms, self-defense, anything that you can throw at them from our repertoire.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we got got a chance to catch up at the Guardian Conference of 2021. And one of the things I thought was really great, uh, you know, a lot of the firearm instructors that are out there are always thinking about the the newest, the fastest, the neater way to uh, shoot. And in some cases, being able to go along and build good shooters from the ground up is even more important because even the fastest operators execute the fundamentals the same and be able to diagnose and help those beginning pistol shooters. And I thought we'd talk about that today a little bit. But how, do, how can we go along and get some really good feedback, actionable feedback to beginning pistol shooters so that they have that good base to build upon and get faster, get more accurate, those types of concepts.
1: So, um, and I think that's a great subject. Is this directed at the instructors or is this directed at the students?
0: At the instructors.
1: Okay, at the instructors. Yeah. So, um, one of the most important things that I try to emphasize to instructors is what I call the curse of the amateur or amateur's curse, however you want to look at it. And what that really means is that a lot of times instructors get excited about all the new trends the new fads the new this the new that and they lose focus on what is actually important and the most important thing that you can provide your student base or your customer base is going to be mastery of the fundamentals and Mm -hmm. the basics really don't change too much and it's really about how so like the bullet comes out the barrel the same way what what really defines an instructor as a capable and effective instructor is how well they connect with the student, not just the student body, but the individual student themselves. And so I see a lot of times a mistake is, uh, you know, instead of like, like a good analogy to think about is like, um, when I was in high school, um, I, I did a lot of different athletics and one of the athletic programs that I tried was diving. And I had very little, you know, I shouldn't say very little hand-eye coordination, but I didn't have that real precise hand coordination to get a 10.0 mark on a perfect dive. And one of the things that I talk about is like, there are like three different groups within that. There's the technical aspect of the dive, whatever that is. There's the actual art form to how you stylistically approach that. And then there's the actual perfect like the perfect being, the virtuosity of that particular move, whatever it is. And a lot of people get focused on these first two buckets and they really overlook the virtuosity, which is like the, the, just the perfection of the move, the perfection of the basics, if you will. So everybody's over here kind of focusing on these two things, which are important, but we've lost sight on the virtuosity of a particular technique, which basically boils down to mastery of those fundamentals. Mm -hmm. So when I see instructors that are out there and they're covering material that is, it's not that it's not valuable material, but it's material that they want to teach versus what their students need. And so this also gets complicated because when you start to develop your curriculum, your tendency is to want to build curriculum for what you want. Like what I want as a shooter, like when I first built our most popular program, which was our intermediate pistol class, I built a class around what I, as a shooter, would like to go through, Mm -hmm. what I want to work on, right? And as years went on, I discovered that, well, not everybody has the same needs or wants that I have. So then what we did was we took a step back and we looked at what we consider to be essential skills for any gunfighter, And once we identified those essential skills, then it became a part of just incorporating those essential skills through a progression of coursework, you know, so beginner, intermediate, advanced, and then elite. So level one, level two, level three, level four, it's impossible to try to cover all those essential skills in a single class. It's just Mm -hmm. not, you have 16 hours, if you're lucky to work with students. And so trying to cover all those essential skills in one 16 hour block is a recipe for disaster. It's, 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 it's not, it's another thing that people struggle with, instructors particularly, which is managing expectations of their students. You know, you have to be able to do that. And a lot of times you've got to be able to help a student recognize that that might be a want or I'm sorry, helping them to understand the difference between what they might want versus what they need. Like you might want to be able to get up to this level and do these cool hondo roles and all that other stuff but you can't even really get out of the holster clean and safe. Mm-hmm. So trying to get to that before this has been mastered is is tantamount to disaster because what'll end up happening is the student will develop a false sense of security. Safety safety is overlooked for, you know, that flashiness versus trying to develop a good solid program that focuses on the technique. So the biggest suggestion that I have for instructors is not to get so distracted by all the flash and the trends and all these other things the basics don't really ever change how you how you interpret those basics to your students because i can have three different students sitting in front of me and i could be talking about any subject it could be the grip as you mentioned mastery of the grip i will have to more than likely teach that subject in three different ways to accommodate the three individual students that I have before me. So rather than try to sit there and get all flashy, more important is how well your material is absorbed, how well it's retained, and then how well it's applied. Because as an Mm -hmm. instructor, if you're struggling, I shouldn't say if you're struggling, if your students are struggling, like I try to, when we go through our instructor program, I always try to encourage the instructors to take the responsibility for their students learning on their own shoulders. Meaning that if a student fails, it's not the student's fault, it's your fault. You failed them as an instructor. Now, there's a certain limit of you know, performance expectations. Like if the student is doing the best they can, great. But if they're not putting the best effort in, that's still a failure on my part. Because why am I not getting the best out of my student? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is, it, is, it a, is it an internal obstacle that they're having a hard time getting over that they bring from outside the class? That I have to manage somehow because that's going to affect their learning while they're in the class. Is it something that uh, is like a, a some sort of emotional obstacle that they can't seem to get over? All of these things are not my responsibility per se, but when they step onto the firing line, the object of my you know my profession is to is to affect behavioral change. And if I can't affect behavioral change in a student because there's an obstacle there that they're failing to meet a standard that I've set forth, it's not not their fault. It's my fault. And it could be something as simple as like, hey, listen, you're in the wrong class. The Mm -hmm. skill sets that are required for this class are above your current level, and it's in everybody's best interest that we have you attend a class that's more more relevant to your current skill level. So that's one thing that we talk about. Another thing is to have a good conversation with the student. And we talk about things like, what did the student feel? What did the student see? And what did the student do? Mm-hmm. right? So feel, see, and do. And what I mean by that is like, when I'm, when I'm demonstrating, a lot of times I try to demonstrate, and immediately I try to relay to the students what I felt. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm trying to encourage the students to eventually develop is a sense of their own skill sets. Like when they do it right, it should be kind of like, you know, just breathing in air. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. But when you do it wrong, there should be something that triggers some sort of floodgate that opens up and sends messages to you that says, Hey, something was wrong. So we don't always know. We don't always uh, like appreciate the times that we do things right because they just go the way they should go. But when they don't go right, that's where we kind of get into. What did I feel? Ooh, you know what? I felt like my um, I was on my heels. So doing a multi-round drill, I felt my my shots, or I felt the shots pushing me back. Yet I didn't adjust my stance to accommodate, and I just kind of kept shooting, and the rounds just flew out of the target zone. Right. So that's that's a really important thing that instructors help the students to eventually develop, which is their own ability to assess themselves, assess what's happening. And they have to give them the tools. Here's the tools that you need to know right from wrong. Now let's try to start to pinpoint when you're doing things wrong. Like, why did that happen? Because the biggest thing that I tell any, whether it's an instructor or a student, is that you're not going to be able to fix a shooting error until you can see it. And then you're not going to be able to see the shooting error until you can understand it. So without all that information, without all that information, the student possesses they are never going to really be able to achieve that, that the, the standard that you might put on them as an instructor. So like, what did you feel? What did you see? Meaning like, what are you seeing? What 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 are you seeing from the, the, the tools that you have, whether it's a handgun, rifle, shotgun, what are you seeing from, you know, targets, reactionary activity, whatever that's doing, what are you seeing from you know the you know the scenario that you're working in whether it's force on force and stuff like that what are you seeing right and then what did you do like how like well you know like in this case um i did pretty good I, you know i called my shot i knew my shot was going to be you know in the x-ring i called it on the first shot but the second shot mm, now i just i i tanked it i tanked that trigger super hard i slapped the crap out of it and i did it the You know, I did it because of this, because I felt pressure to get to the next target, whatever. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of that information because trying to extrapolate that information from the students is the instructor's first order of business to try to help that student to understand what they're doing. Because Mm -hmm. without them being able to understand that, they're never going to be able to see it. And and we talk about seeing things in real time. So you have self, like you have self-awareness. Meaning that the student has become self-aware of their shooting. They understand when they're doing it right, they understand when they're doing it wrong, they can feel, see, and do and figure out how to fix it. Right. But when we get to a certain point, you know, there's there's like um there's a disconnect in, in many students as far as being able to get to that level. And and what our job is as instructors is to help them get there. And I I find that, you know. When I can sit there and talk to the student, when we're down on the targets and we're looking at the targets, you know, the very first thing that I'll ask the student is, you know, what did you feel? What did you see? What did you do? I I help them to start reading their targets to understand what's happening. And then we kind of go back to their actual shooting and they start to reflect and they're like, oh my God, I get it. And that right there is the big nugget that is the takeaway because now the student sees what they're doing and they understand why it happened. Yeah, no. and, and
0: and they can go along afterwards when they're not, you know, un- underneath your eye watching and know what it feels like to do it right and be able to go along and improve themselves. Because, you know, really when we're, when we've got them in a eight or 16 hour training session, that can only go so far and it's, and the real learning is going to take place in the weeks and months afterwards as they go and they repeatedly do those, uh, that, that training the same way.
1: So that right there, what you're talking about is the next step, which is Mm self-correcting, right? Self-awareness is the first step in understanding what you're doing. Self-correcting is what many students have to do on their own. So self-awareness develops in a class setting with the, you know, over, you know, some, somehow some sort of oversight from an instructor or a coach or a peer and self-correcting is what the student works on in practice on their own. And that right there is where the real money, that's where the real work begins, because you know in a classroom setting eh, I'm not saying classroom settings you know class setting is not valuable because it certainly is but it's guided mm-hmm. through the instructor through the curriculum through the performance it's guided what the student does on their own is the real trick is trying to get them to stay motivated to keep working at making those improvements that are hard to see because they span this great period of time, you know, like for, for the, you know, like the the developmental process for a new shooter starts off with several different plateaus. And the first one is like this, like steep plateau because they all of a sudden they went from nothing to something. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be this steep climb and they get to the first plateau there. Right. And in that first plateau, that's where most of the new shooters get stuck. They get stuck in that first plateau because they haven't developed that level of understanding because either their instructor didn't help them to do it well, or this new shooter is more of a do-it-yourself type individual that's trying to watch videos or read books. And those are valuable, but they also have limits to what they can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that's another big thing that I see a lot of times is in today's modern technology world, more folks are paying more folks are trying to gleam as much information from, from those sources without having an understanding of how, to, how do I how do I value that? What, what, what how do I know if this is working? Does this help? Does this make an improvement in my performance? Am I am I going to see long-term gains? Am I going to see consistent gains? Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, that's the key for me. It's like really when we can get them at that point where they're on their own and they have. The knowledge. So my job as an instructor is not necessarily to to ensure that they have the application of the knowledge. My job as the instructor is to make sure they leave the class with the knowledge, so that they can then go on their own, as you you know, in that self correcting stage, and really work at improving. Mm-hmm. And that's the tough part. That's really what makes things difficult. I think is trying to get the student to do that.
0: Yeah. And when they're in the self correcting and they're getting the basics down, then that's when, as an instructor, it takes, it makes it easier when they come to those advanced and intermediate classes to be able to go along, take them up another step. Again, we're showing them something. We're showing them how, what it should feel like, look like. And then they're going out and becoming self correcting. So it's a evolutionary step. You know, as I go along and tell people shooting a gun is similar to driving a car first time you Very get on the wheel you go along and it's like what do you mean i gotta worry about the gas and the brake and and the steering wheel and turn signals and <laughs> windshield wipers and the traffic coming from left and right well same thing with the gun you know we got a muzzle we've got triggers we've got sights we've got magazine releases we've got all these things and what do we do if that slide stops you know i mean it, it 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 comes back and doesn't go forward you know all those things have got to be taught into the uh, into our minds so we understand what we're looking at and we can be self-correcting and efficient about it i mean if we were all you know 16 year old beginning drivers Uh, you know, driving down the expressways and things like that, it would be a very, very slow commute for us. But we've all gotten used to where we can master it. We're self-correct and we know, you know, what lanes we need to be in. When we get up to our exit, we know where we got to accelerate. We know now how much gas we give give the car and how much brake we give the car, all those types of things. And traffic moves uh, smoothly, most of the time, at least.
1: I was gonna say, I would caveat it with
0: mostly. Um, and that's a great analogy. We use driving
1: a lot in our classes because people can relate, and that's one of the important things that an instructor needs to be able to develop is how to relate to that student. So as an instructor, you have a lot of duties, right? And mm-hmm. one of the duties that I think is often overlooked is your your ability to manage a diverse group of individuals into a single task, right? and so like, one of the things that I will do in a class, we could be covering any subject. It could be uh, trigger management, trigger mm-hmm. control, right? And we'll do, we will do progressive drills. So these are, these are basically the crawl, walk, run kind of approach. And the, and the reason why it's so important to be able to do this is because students don't often know what they don't know. And so I can ask you, Rob, you know, blah, blah, blah. How did that feel? Well, you you might say, well, that felt great. But your performance says something completely different. And the Mm -hmm. reason why is because you just don't know. So we have to slow things down. And there's this big beef in the internet right now where people are bad-mouthing the idea of, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. The reality is that mantra is every bit as true today as it was when it was first uttered eons ago because that is really focusing on the the fundamentals and the fundamentals really don't change. But when we're learning the fundamentals, you have to go slow enough that you can intercept an error before it occurs. And there's where most instructors fail their students is that they are not insistent on them going slow enough To where they can spot themselves the error that you're trying to teach them Mm -hmm. or to try to teach them to avoid. So when we're trying to go slow, I talk about three speeds or slow speed, half speed and full speed. Slow speed is painful to, to do and to watch you know, as the instructor, you're watching students do it in slow motion, and you're just like, "Ah," it's like, you know, nails on a chalkboard almost. (laughs) But it's so important that the students be able to do it. Number one, you can spot, you can spot errors much easier because they're moving at a much slower pace. But number two, each of those steps, let's just talk about the trigger press itself, the movement of the trigger. It seems simple, but it's got a lot of moving parts to it. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is that we end up, smashing all those moving parts into one single movement without understanding that as a new shooter, we don't have that skill set. We need to break it down and isolate them into those individual steps. Mm -hmm. And then the second part to that is that the student must demonstrate control of each of those micro steps in the overall activity, whatever it is, because without that, you're basically writing them off. If they can't demonstrate that level of control for that micro step, you're writing them off. You're not giving them the best instruction because you're saying it's okay to not have that little micro step done well. And it has to just be done to a minimum standard. You have to identify what that minimum standard is. And as long as a student can do step, so let's just say the trigger press has five steps to it. You know, everything from moving the trigger from the home position to the face of the trigger, to taking out the slack, to feeling the sear wall, to pressing the trigger, to the follow through and all that other business. So let's just say Mm -hmm. there's five steps to that. Okay, most of the time, especially if you're watching a very proficient or professional shooter, it's seamless. Right. You never see you never you see one motion, but you don't understand that that motion is comprised of all those subtleties that that professional or proficient shooter took time to master. And this is the this is the point that I'm leading up to you as an instructor have to put yourself in your students shoes. You have to sit back and, and reflect. When I was first learning how to shoot, I didn't know anything. I need to sit. I need to like, go back to that time period so that I can better relate to my student body and the struggles that they are facing.
0: Yeah. Similar to you know that, that, that those student drivers, you know, we're talking about mod- right. modulating the brake or the gas. You know, how many of us taught our teenage uh, children, and you know, we tell them, okay, put the brake on, and it's perfectly fine, when they get behind it, and then all of a sudden, they either press the gas just a little bit, nothing happens. And you got to say more. And then all of a sudden, what they do, they go from zero to 100 immediately. And, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing. Like I could put the brake on. There's no modulation, it's smashing the, the brake down. And when you, <laughs> you know, everywhere. When, yeah. When you go along and look at the Indy 500, those drivers make it look really simple because they're professionals. But the basics that have to be mastered from the beginning driver to know how to properly press the gas to get the result they want and then be able to go correspondingly press the brake appropriately so that the coffee doesn't spill all over the place and people go flying through the windshield Uh, those are (laughs) skills that takes a while for people to understand self-correct and then be able to add more and that's why what do we do? We start the teenage drivers uh, out in shopping park, uh, shopping mall parking lots so that they get used to all that stuff. And then we do the side streets and then we move into the main streets and then we finally get on the expressway because in the expressway, what happens? Things are moving fast and you better know yeah. where the brake pedal, the gas pedal turn signals, all those things are before you're ever going down the, down the expressway at 65 miles an hour.
1: And that's a perfect example of progressions. If, if that's progressions. Each of those skills was performed in isolation to develop uh, to a minimum skill set, a minimum standard, if you will. Then from mm-hmm. that, then we progress to the next step and the next step and the next step. But the important part is before we move to the next step, the student had developed a minimum standard, a minimum level of proficiency, so that as we add more pressure, add more stress, their technique is resilient enough to hold up against that stress. Mm-hmm. And that, are, that, that is one of the other problems that we see in the instructor world or the shooting world. Is the moment that we put a little pressure, a little stress on, we see things, the, the wheels come off, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's difficult. It's difficult to try to get across to students that, like, we might have a part time, we'll just say whatever it is a two round drill at seven yard line. We we'll got a part time of two seconds, right? From the holster, easy day, right? The problem is, is that even though that might be the standard, you may not be able to meet that standard. And that's okay, because a lot of times people will be upset that they can't meet that standard okay, I appreciate you that your willingness to want to meet that standard, but let's talk about, let's break that down. You have to draw from the holster. You have to pick up that first sight. You have to press the trigger, follow through, press the trigger, follow through. All right. So where are you, what are you, where are you failing to meet the standard? Is it the time? Is it the accuracy? Is it both? And so if my students are not meeting the time standard, but they're meeting the accuracy standard, I don't care. I mean, sure. You didn't meet the standard, but the accuracy tells me this that your skill level is being developed in a much more genuine and virtuous manner that will then with time be increased or speed will be decreased, Mm -hmm. right? Because speed out out of the gate, like one of the things that I try to tell people is I've, I've never had to worry about speed. I never had to worry about going fast enough. What I had to worry about was whether or not my technique could survive those high speeds that I was going to go. So like for me, what that meant was that meant that if I build a shooter's technique solid from the ground up, it will be able to handle the stress that we can throw at them as long as we met all of those learning objectives along the way. And so we, we really look at shooting from an academic point of view. We don't. I, I look at shooting from a psychomotor physical point of view as well, but I really look at it more from an academic point of view because that is going to generate a more knowledgeable shooter that when they leave me and are on their own, they have a better sense about how to advocate and govern their own shooting development. Yeah. And not to say that they don't come back or they don't go to more training, they don't expand their knowledge, but that gives them a good solid base to start from.
0: Yeah. You gave us a lot to think about today, Jeff, and uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, mm-hmm. question we've, we've been asking for all our instructor and guests that come on. Do you have a book or another instructor recommend uh, that you think other instructors should go out and seek? Well,
1: I always say that, you know, if you have, you know, um, nationally recognized instructors that are coming to your area, it is always a good idea. It's, it's never a bad thing. Uh, and I have, you know, long standing relationships with so many of them that I wouldn't want to single one out just because I would probably catch ship or not, Mentioning <laughs> somebody. Mm-hmm. So um there's that. Uh as far as books are concerned, from an instructional point of view, you know, I think um, that's a tough one because first of all, I'm in a cycle in my reading right now that is is not um professional in nature, it's more uh entertainment and somewhat educational. So I'm reading, you know, fictional books right now. Uh, the authors that I'm reading, a good friend of mine, Jack Carr, just released a bunch of new books. So I've been reading up on his books. Uh, so that's my current reading list. But um, I'm trying to think of a kind of like a, a book that has stood the test of time in the shooting world. And there's a couple of good ones. But I really think that a, an up-and-coming instructor would do well to learn about academics learn about the art of teaching and learn about how to be a better be a better instructor and one of my favorite books in that way is um, Dale Carnegie's book on oh gosh the title is escaping me it's um, How to Win Friends and Influence people That right there is one of the most valuable books that I think an instructor could take away not from an inst- not from a shooting instruction point of view but from how to be a good instructor. You know, like, I cannot tell you what, what, one of the aggravated, what, what thing, something that really aggravates me is when an instructor doesn't know the names of their students, when they walk on the line on day one, you know, and I, I know that that's difficult. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing. If you've got a line of 12 to 16, 20 people, mm-hmm. you got to know 20 people's names you got to know them quickly. But if you want to connect with the students and, yeah, and you don't know their name and you don't know their name. You're not getting the buy-in that the student needs to value the information that you're getting. Student is thinking he can't, he doesn't even know my name. And I'll tell you right now, I'm terrible about this because if I don't get your name right on day one, you're forever Rod, not Rob, you're Rod. (laughs) You'll be Rod for the rest of your life. Because I put that much effort into learning names that when it's hard for me to change that name sometimes like sometimes people will register (laughs) this cracks me up they'll register with the name because it's maybe their legal name or the name on their credit card and they have a completely different name that they want to go by and so I'm calling out the names on the roster for muster and hey my name is uh my name is not Rob it's you know some you know Taylor completely different (laughs) it's not like Robbie or Robert Mm -hmm. it's a completely different name and I'm like Oh, this is going to suck. You know, I'm getting like I, every time I look at you, I'm going to go, Rob Taylor, Rob mm-hmm. Taylor. Your new name is Rob Taylor. RT is good. I'm going to call you now. <laughs> so, anyhow, that's one of the things that I think that book really did a, such a good job. I still have a copy from the very first one that I ever got, which I literally got. Um, it was on the recommended reading list of books that I should read as I was um, getting out of the Navy. And that was one of the books, Uh, there was about three or four that I kept in my library that I found to be super valuable. And that was one of them. And periodically, I will go back and just read a chapter, because it's just, it's, it has stood the test of time. It's still that valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. And even though we've got social media, even though we've got, you know, the internet and a you know, hundred other things that have come out since, you know, that you know, the Dale Carnegie, as far as, you know, still the concepts of winning, you know, winning friends, um, you know, it stood the test of time.
1: It has. It's a classic. That's the thing I love about it. It's a classic. And it should be recommended reading for for just about anybody, because if you want to be a good human and have good connection with anybody in your life,
0: it's it's a good place to start. That's a that's a great suggestion. I like that, Jeff. Well, Jeff, where can people find out more about what Jeff gonzalez is doing, where you're teaching at, and uh, all all those?
1: Well, the best thing to do would be to go to our website, tridentconcepts.com. You can see our uh our class schedule for next year. The classes that we have this year are sold out, so there's there's really nothing I can point you to between now and the end of the year. However, next year starting in January is a good thing. Uh, a big kind of update, and this is the second podcast that we've talked about this, is that we have a new book coming out. And that book is due to be out in the next week, maybe two weeks max, definitely before Black Friday. And so if you want to learn more about that book, you can go to concealedcarrymanual.com and folks can learn all about this this new book. I'm really excited about this book. It um, is a project that I've been wanting to do for a while and it took a pandemic to finally give me some time to actually sit down and, and finish it. So
0: there you go super well i'll include a link in the show notes for everybody and uh, look forward to uh to that book coming out uh, before black friday and uh, add that to my uh library that's uh, that looks can. like a really cool book there great well Thank thanks you. for your time jeff have a good day my pleasure you too bye that's a wrap on this episode and let's announce this week's podcast gear winner the winner of a Pitbull tactical magazine carrier is chad b Chat, keep an eye out for an email from concealcarry.com for how to get your prize. Next week, we are giving away a ready up gear MCF spark flashlight. I have one of these and I have it teamed up with a rechargeable 16340 battery. A great combination, throws out a lot of light. Visit podcast.concealcarry.com. Enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, enter in each week for the prize giveaway because your entries do not carry over from week to week. Remember to check out our website. Where you can search for various topics from getting started with a website, earning extra money through affiliate marketing at firearmtrainerpodcast.com. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have or feedback, please email me at ftp at Check out our other concealed carry.com podcast, the off duty on duty with Brian Eastridge and the original Concealed podcast with Riley Bowman and Matthew Marister. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy to making gun owners more knowledgeable. Happy holidays, everyone.